0: Hello and (coughs) welcome, my faithful and loyal readers and listeners. Welcome to our daily devotional for June the 20th. So if you recall, our daily devotionals are divided into two distinct segments. We have our first of the day segment, and we have our through the Bible in one segment. So our verse for June the 20th comes from Psalm 113 verses 1 through 3 which says, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. So as we see Psalm 113 begins, and if you read the entire Psalm, you will also see that it ends with a call to worship. So that's both verses 1 and verse 9. And so each of the first three verses uses the words, Praise, name, and the Lord, all in different contexts. So God's name represents his reputation, (coughs) which is grounded in his covenant love. His name is praised by his people for all time and by the whole world. So in verse 3, which is the very last verse, the psalmist is not speaking of praise. that continues from, f- from morning to night. So what are we talking about? That's that last verse it says, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. So rather, the psalmist is describing universal praise. Praise that comes from the east to the West. So he's not talking about continuous praise from morning to night. He's talking about universal praise, which covers the entire spectrum east and west, both east and west and north and south. And so the Bible readings that you must do for June the twentieth. are First Kings chapter twenty two. Acts chapter thirteen verses sixteen through forty one. Psalm 138, 1 through 8, and Proverbs 17, 17 through 18. So that concludes our verse of the day segment for June the 20th. So now we are going to move into our verse of the day. Segment for June the twentieth. So that is day one sixty nine. So again, if you have missed any of these, you can get caught up with all of them by visiting upstatechristian.com dot Again, that is upstatechristian dot com. <coughs> so our focus going to be in John chapter 17 verses 20 through 26. So so far we have seen Jesus pray to be glorified and we have seen him pray for his disciples that be his disciples that walked the earth with him at this appointed time. And now today, we're going to see Jesus pray for all of those who will ever be his disciples. So today, we're going to see how Jesus prayed for all of those who will ever be his disciples. And what we're going to see is that Jesus focused on... And we're going to see what we're going to see Jesus focusing on in this prayer for all of his future disciples is unity. Because he knew that the devil was going to try and derail the mission of the church by sowing seeds of disunity. So we're going to pick up in John chapter 17, verse 20, and go through verse 26, which says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. <clears throat> and all of them may be one Father just as you are in me And I am in you May they also be in us So that the world may believe that you have sent me I have given them the glory that you gave me That they may be one as all we are one <laughs> I am them and you in me So that they may be brought to completeness have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So, Jesus is a final words of prayer. Focus on future be believers. It focuses on you and I You and me focuses on those of us that come in the future, not those that were currently with Jesus, but those that will come later. So he prayed for their unity, and he prayed for their future destiny, so he prayed for our unity, and for our future destiny. He wanted us to experience the death of unity that exists between him and the Father. (coughs) So he desires that his people, that Jesus desires for his people, to be committed to his mission (coughs) and that they love one another as he has loved He does not want believers fighting among one another, or competing with each other. He doesn't want us to fight with each other. He doesn't want us to compete with each other. So, one reason that Jesus wants this, is so that the world may be convinced by the church's witness that the Father sent Jesus. Because, you see, the church's unity is, in actual fact, a divine mandate. So this unity is to imitate, to a long lesser degree, the unity of the Godhead. That would be the unity of God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. <coughs> so Jesus concluded this prayer by requesting that future believers, that us, know the indwelling love of the Father, and the manifest presence of the Son, we have to understand that the Father's love is the same love he has for the Son and that this thought is incomprehensible to the human mind which is probably why the Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians that believers will be able to comprehend that which is truly incomprehensible which is God's love for them so now let's wrap this up. Let's wrap up this discussion we've been having <coughs> over the past several days of Jesus' final prayer uh, while he is with his disciples, his prayer for his for him to be glorified, for the disciples to be glorified, his prayer for his current disciples, and his prayer for his future disciples. So let's all talk found in verse 21 of today's passage That says that all of them <coughs> may be one So this phrase that I just read Expresses one of Christ's deepest desires For his people as a whole So if you have paid any attention to what we have read And what we have discussed You will have noticed that this is mentioned For times in his prayer in verses 11 and 21 through 23. So that's the four times what we're talking about because unity is a primary factor in accomplishing God's purposes and confirming the truth of the message about Christ. So that's what we see in verses 21 and 23 of what we just read. So the unity that Jesus prayed for was not organizational unity. So, it wasn't anything that comes from them being organized as one, having the same structure, having the same, I don't really want to say beliefs, because we all have the same problems, but not having the same structure to how they do this thing that we now call church. So, what he did was, it was, uh, well, I'm not on a you know, but was spiritual unity based on these following things, based on true spiritual salvation and their personal relationship with Christ. That's found in verse 23. Knowing and experiencing the love of the Father and the companionship of Christ. That's found in verse 26. Separation from the evil ways of the world. That's found in, found in verses 14 through 16 in their knowledge of truth and devotion to god's purposes so we have to grow in our knowledge of truth and in our devotion to god's purposes that's what we're talking about when we have when we say these spiritual unity based on these things so that's found in (coughs) verses 17 and verse 19. so it's based on receiving believing and obeying the truth of god's word that's verses 6 and 17. And finally, it's based on the desire to bring Christ's message of forgiveness and spiritual salvation to those who do not yet have a personal relationship with Christ. So that's found in verses 21 and 23. So what we should see, what we should understand is that when any one of these factors is missing, Complete unity among Christ, our followers, cannot exist as He desires it. So now, now let's look at four things that we should learn about Christian unity. in this last section of Jesus' prayer. So the first thing we should learn is that Jesus does not pray for his followers to become one. So he doesn't pray for them to become one, but rather that they may be one. So you're going to ask what's the difference? Well, the difference is that the present subjunctive phrasing used here. It's the difference between become one and be one. So be one is a present subjunctive, become one is just a present tense. I used here means the action is ongoing meaning continually be one you continually be one That it's ongoing and it's active it's not one and done so you don't just become one you be one that you may be one that you may continue to grow as one so this type of unity is on our common relationship to the Father and the Son and on having the same basic attitude toward the world, the Word, and the new turns out to those who are spiritually lost, which are those who do not have a relationship with Jesus. <coughs> so that's the first thing we learn here. And Jesus didn't pray for us to become one, but he prayed for us to continually to create what looks like unity by having meetings, conferences, or complex, or any type of complex organization (coughs) can result in tension and frustration. So why is that the case? Because by having special meetings, by having special conferences, and by having such a complex organizational structure that nobody can understand it, excludes people either intentionally or unintentionally. So what Jesus had in mind is much more than unified gatherings, or the appearance of togetherness, which is what having meanings, having conferences, and having complex organizational structures does. It gives a semblance of unity, but very rarely does it ever create unity. So, what Jesus had in mind is much more than that. What in fact he had in mind is a spiritual unity of heart, mind, and purpose among those who are fully devoted to Christ and His Word. So, that's the second thing. We shouldn't attempt to create unity by having these complex organizational structures, by having meetings and by having conferences. means that God's people that we've talked about so far does not mean that God's people must agree or have the same perspective on all issues so what does it mean by that it means we're going to have differences and disagreements on non substantial issues and there should not ever be a dividing force between themselves followers of Christ, and others who call themselves followers of Christ. But we must maintain a unified and uncompromising commitment to honoring Christ, staying true to his word, and leading others into a personal relationship with God, which is what Christian unity is ultimately all of. and in Christian organizations, but that's the way that it should be. So the fourth and final thing, so we've already learned what that he didn't pray for us to become one, but to continually be one. We shouldn't attempt to create unity by having things that create a false sense of unity, such as meetings, organizational structure. so the fourth thing we should learn from this is that one of the primary reasons for this sort of for the unit you know, that we are talking about here is that people will know that Jesus was sent by the Father to bring them back into a relationship with God. so not what we're saying here is that they may believe that you have sent me. But we need to understand that Christ followers will not be able to effectively accomplish their purpose of leading others to Christ unless they are living in unity with each other. In other words, without unity, without us having something that unites us, that brings us together, that gives And a few people in the world will give serious thought to following Christ and becoming part of his church, which is our ultimate mission. It is to bring people to Christ, to have people start to follow Christ, and to have people become part of his church. And so we will pick up from here tomorrow when we see Jesus' arrest, which then takes us in to John chapter 18. And so in order for you to be prepared for that discussion, you need to read 2 Kings chapters 1 and 2, Acts chapter 13, verse 42 through 14, verse 7. Psalm one thirty nine one through twenty four, and Proverbs seventeen nineteen through twenty one.